Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of the Panjway Podcast. As always, you can find our episodes on all podcast platforms, as well as YouTube and Facebook for the video episodes. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button on your platform of choice, and if you enjoy what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice five-star review. If you want to support the podcast financially, we've set up a few ways for you to do so this season. You can become a patron by hopping over to patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up for a small monthly donation. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can find us on Venmo at The Panjoy Podcast. And last but not least, we've got a small selection of merchandise in our store, so if you head over to thepanjoypodcast.com and click on the store tab, you'll see stickers and other merchandise, and who knows what might come down the pipeline. So remember, on all three platforms, that's The Panjoy Podcast, P-A-N-J-W-A-I Podcast. Thank you. Timothy McVeigh was a highly decorated Bradley Gunner. Really? In, in Kuwait. Oh, wow. that's interesting. Wow. Isn't it? It's funny mm-hmm. he made that, that connection and that yeah. how detached it made him. Yeah. Because he commented very, on the same thing in his interviews. It's a very detached way to kill somebody. No, I'm, I'm a little disappointed because we all have Matt V's now and they all have crows, the crow system on it. I was like, ah, it's no fun. Yeah. I'd like to stick my head up on the top and... And freaking physically get down behind the. I agree. Yeah. I think it's a more <laughs> enjoyable way to fire the weapon. Yeah. However, after seeing how many MATVs or MRAPs flipped over by IEDs <laughs> and yeah. the stories I've heard of gunners not doing well in those situations, I'm okay with the. Yeah. Okay with the crow. It's part the best part of the crow, the crow is the fleer, you know. Best part of the crow is the auto scan. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Roger, I'm definitely not taking a nap back here. (laughs) Yeah. All right, everybody combat, lock the doors, right? Okay, we're going (laughs) to take turns sleeping. (laughs) Whole vehicle's racked out. (laughs) Auto scan. Uh, Speaking of uh, explosives and IEDs, we're here with uh, first, or Master Sergeant. Yes. Russ Ho of... uh, EOD fame. Uh, we knew Russ as Staff Sergeant, Staff Sergeant Russ Ho mm-hmm. uh, at Cops Bowengar in 2012. And Russ led a small three man team of EOD technicians uh, that yeah. worked with us at Sperwengar. But previous to that, they actually worked in a different part of the country. So, Russ, thank you for, for joining us on the Panjoy podcast. And could you give us a little bit sure. about your background, how you came to become an EOD technician, and how you ended up at Sperwengar? Oh, wow. So, uh, well, I guess I can thank my recruiter for uh, becoming EOD because I went to go sign up and they're like, hey, this EOD thing you qualify for and uh, supposedly it's a pretty cool job. I was like, what is it? And and they show you like this little five minute video of some dudes blowing stuff up and driving robots and running around in a bomb suit. So that looks kind of cool. And uh, let's see. Other than that, I didn't really know anything about it. And then I called. They're, they're like, yeah, it's basically like an army version of the bomb squad. I'm like, huh. And uh, I had an uncle, actually, who was a, a bomb tech for the Honolulu Police Department. And he's like, dude, you should do it. You should totally do it. You get, like, the best training, you know. 
So, so there I did, signed up, did it. And then, um, so I don't know if you guys know EOD school is about a year long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, it, I mean, it's a little short of a year long, but most people take about a year because nobody goes straight through without uh, failing any section. So, <laughs> so uh, went through EOD school, uh, <clears throat> got assigned, graduated, got assigned to JBLM in, you know, showed up in 2008 with the 787th EOD company. Uh, 2009, went to Iraq, spent some time, six months in Baghdad, came back. And then in 2012, we headed off to uh, Afghanistan with the same company. Nice. So, um, yeah. And originally you weren't in, you weren't even in Panjway. You were, actually, you weren't even in Kandahar to start, were you? So our headquarters, our battalion and headquarters um, was in Kandahar. And then, um, and then the teams actually, they just disperse once they get in country teams just go all over the place right so we ended up going on the very northeastern edge of rc south okay you know this little place called shaw joy mm-hmm. um so we were up there for the first eight months um yeah <clears throat> so right. some elevation uh it, there's you know we're sitting about six thousand feet elevation uh you know kind of in a valley and there's a Tarnak River that ran through there was the main mm-hmm. land feature. So, and what was uh, what was your deployment like in that area in terms of the IED threat and what you guys were were doing out there? Yeah, so there's a that was kind of our a real I like to say conventional EOD deployment on that port. So we 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 didn't support. I mean, we, we supported Romanians. There's a, a Romanian battalion there. That we supported, but we basically supported the area, not necessarily any one unit. Mm. And so we sat on that FOB, FOB Buller was what it was called. Um, and then we just we were like basically like firefighters. You just sit there until a nine line comes and then a runner comes and gets us. And then we, um, by regulation, we have like 30 minutes to to be <clears throat> out the door. So, so a lot more um, like the, the Iraq deployment. Never yes, yes. That was like yep. my experience with EOD previous to Sparrowangar was that, you know, suspected IED, stop, call it up. Usually we'd right. be 30 clicks from the, you know, from the FOB. So it took a while for him to get there. And right. so it was a long process. <clears throat> yeah. So we, yeah. So there's a, so a unit will find an IED or there might be an IED strike and they'll call up a nine line for a pulse blast. And then that call has to go up through their chain of command, jump over to, you know, where the Romanians were, then the Romanians have to get it to us. And then mm-hmm. from there we rolled out. So it can be a little bit of a process, but I know that's one of the big things that everybody says like, Oh, you know, waited for four hours for EOD to show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but a lot of, I mean, we're, we were always, by the time we got the nine line and we're rolling out the gate, <clears throat> typically it was like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so, but I think it's the whole process of, um, how the information gets conveyed across commands. Nothing happens quickly in the military. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys, um, did you do any like route clearance stuff in Shaw Joy? I mean, cause I know in Iraq we did a lot of route clearance. Yeah. I, I was, I was fortunate for EOD. That's like the, the one job nobody likes to do. Cause you just go like five miles an hour and you sit there and wait. And then engineers usually use their Buffalo to just move things around. They're like, Oh, it's good. And then, and so EOD just kind of sits there. And fortunately, I never had to do that. Um, route clearances did come through 
the Romanians' main job there was to maintain freedom of movement of Highway 1. So they did multiple mounted patrols. I mean, they were basically like cops just running up and down Highway 1. Right. So, and they would constantly clear culverts, clear the sides, check, you know, sus- suspect things and stuff like that. And for our listeners that um, maybe haven't heard or we haven't mentioned it too many times, Highway 1 is a, is the number one travel route in Afghanistan. It's a gigantic ring route that goes through mm-hmm. all the major cities of Afghanistan, west, east, north, and south. Um, it basically encircles the mountains that are in the center of the country, um, and it allows freedom. I mean, you can drive on for Highway One from Herat all the way to Kabul, mm-hmm. um, or to Mazari Sharif, or any of those uh, major cities uh, to the north. So it's vastly important that that road stays clear. Right. Uh, hence, you know, however many cops they had along to try to keep the IDs and the fighting off of it. When you talk about the culverts. Right. Was was that was that a, was that a common tactic that they were using along Route One? Yeah. So they um, they would. Mm, I wouldn't say it was common, but it was used. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So more the most common thing was still um, IEDs on the side of the road, and then just camouflage by partially burying or hiding right. it with trash or putting it behind a bush or. Gotcha. So, but the culverts were big. So if it. If there was, if they went through the hassle of putting it in a culvert, we're look, you know, from what we've seen is anywhere between four and 600 pounds of explosive. So it Which was is just going to vaporize, yeah. you know, it destroys most of our vehicles, the yeah. road. And, yep. So, um, which, you know, that, that threat is a lot more similar. I think what most people think of when they right. think of IED threats, you know, Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, roadside bombs, not buried bombs and cold, right. putting them in culverts and. Four or five hundred yeah. pound bombs taking out Bradleys and armored vehicles, but right. Um, I think most of the IEDs though weren't typically targeting coalition forces. Um, really, I think yeah, because I mean, you know, a thirty pound charge, twenty feet off the highway, isn't really going to do a whole lot to a Max Pro. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so most of them, the culvert ones, I think for sure were. <laughs> so because because those, I think they knew they could do some damage to our vehicles. But I think that uh, most of them were targeting A&A, A&P. Right. And they had these security elements that, that escorted uh, logistics, like local right. logistics stuff up and down. They were constantly getting hit too. Right. So, And with the culverts, that threat is why we had what the, the culvert denial systems. Right. The which CS. were, yeah, which were... Right. They're essentially just like, you know, rebar grates over top of mm-hmm. these culverts that would still allow the water to run through them, but it, there was never an opening big enough for them to put like any kind of sizable charge in there. Right. Right. And I know we had those up and down. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, thing is, if, you do, if you're not watching it, I mean, giving somebody yeah. enough time, they'll come into it from a different angle or they'll stuff yeah. it through, you know, little tiny pieces at a time, but... Exactly. Uh, I know part of that strategy was a you had to put those CDSs in, and b you had to have reconnaissance on it, which is why we had all the blimps all over the place. Right. Exactly. So now you mentioned that the the fight up there was a little bit, um, a little bit of a back and forth because yeah, you know they were they were they were creating different kinds of charges and threats and adapting right. as you adapted to them. Right. So so one of the you know fundamentals that we learn in EOD as we we're doing our training train up in the road to war is we always assume the enemy's watching and they're going to change their TTPs to um, counter what, whatever we're doing. 
And so, I mean, I've never really quite experienced it because like in Iraq, we'd constantly be moving teams around. So, um, so that there was never like a set TTP that they would see, see us doing because the teams would be, you know, every few weeks, a team would, would rotate. So in this area, I was actually there from January through August. So we were there for eight months. Wow. And, um, you know, when you're in one area for eight months, I think you can only kind of change things up so much. Sure. And so, so in the beginning is all pretty straightforward. Um, command wires, RC pressure, you know, victim operated, um, pretty standard stuff. <clears throat> and then, um, probably about, let's see. We started getting pretty busy in March and April. Uh, that's when we, there, there's actually a lot of snow up there. So it was right. really cold and tons of snow. So January, February, March was actually pretty, pretty slow. And then end of March going to April is when we started getting busy. And then June was super busy. I mean, we're constantly working. I mean, June, and then yeah, by, June's the height of fight season. Right. Yeah. And then by the time July hit, uh, mid-July-ish, uh, that's when we started seeing the IEDs booby trap to try and um, get us. So, so they knew that you guys were digging them out of the ground. So they were right. trying to get you yeah. guys. Yeah. So so then it was like, ooh, you know, we'd, we'd see something a little different. And like, what is this? And that's, that's a weird wire. Why is there wire here? It's like, ooh, you know, they got little little booby trap on the main charge, you know. So, which we, we would catch and then deal with that. And then we'd have to go, every time we got back to our shop after each mission, we'd kind of informally be like, all right, you know what? I mean, we just casually, it wasn't like a formal army AAR, but we'd kind of like, right. man, that's pretty sketch, you know, like. Like a kind of know, hot wash. What, what, what can we do next time to make sure, you know, we catch those. And so we were constantly having those discussions and adjusting our TTPs. And then we'd see something else they do. and to try and counter what we just did. And so then we, you know, so it, it kind of became this cat and mouse game of going back and forth. So. And would you yeah. find these things like in the course of like pulling it out of the ground physically or like with the robot or like in a post blast analysis or. A little bit of both. We've seen them with robots. Uh, we've blown up a robot. I think one, only one time, but um, we think that was booby trapped too when the robot yeah. got blown up. There's a couple we've seen. Uh, we were dismounted, and um, I, I saw it booby trap when I was uncovering the pressure plate. Right. So um, that's got to stop your heart. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. It, it really doesn't, because you're like, ah, I got you. Yeah, I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean like, my heart rate increased when you said uncovering the pressure plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I, like, not, we're not all built the same. Yeah, shoot a Mark 19 at it and be done with it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we've, I mean, we've uncovered, a, you know, I don't know, uh, 10 dozens and dozens of pressure plates. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of figure it out. You know what to expect. You kind of know what to look for. You know how to attack it. So, right. Um, so, you know, we would see the pressure plate and, they go, you know, oh, that's weird. Why is this wire wrapped around a pressure plate? And then, uh, and then, you know, they booby trap the pressure plate because they know we like to recover them. Mm-hmm. So, so, but then, you know, you see that and you're like, ah, I see what you guys are doing. So, um, I mean, were you ever impressed by their ingenuity? Was it ever mm-hmm. like, like really clever or was it just different? 
So, it, yeah, they're just different. So they, um, I think we've talked about before the, you know, you've got kind of the technical, which is, you know, it's a real technical, technical IED. So Iraq was very technical, right? you know, real sophisticated, high tech using DTMF and, you know, all these different. Um, and that, is that an explosive? No, it's a, it's a dual tone multifunction uh, board that, um, you can control it using phones so you can okay. program things and using push button phones and stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. So they can arm, disarm, turn it on, you know, turn it on, turn it off, or just fire it using phones. Gotcha. So, um, um, so, you know, they had all the, you know, even like per pressure plates, they had counting pressure plates. So not just the first vehicle running over, it would go off. It, it might, you know, they might, It'll wait for like the fourth time it gets hit before it goes off. Oh, weird. Or, or something like that. So in Afghanistan, it's much more tactical. So there was right. a, they're all pretty simple as, you know, pressure plates, command wire, you know, remote. Um, but then it got real, you know, it became more of a tactical thing. Like, how are they in placing it? What are they trying to target? How are they trying to target you? Right. Um, <clears throat> so one of our big, big things we, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you remember what our truck looked like, the big old gerbs. So they're they're actually yeah. pretty robust and can take a, a pretty sizable blast. Right. So one of the big things we train on is like, all right, you know, we need to, um, if we're going to go verify that things are clear down range, down where the ID is, it's much safer to be in a vehicle should something go off than if we walk down there. Sure. So we always do the, we call it an armored recon. You know, you walk down there or you drive down there and clear the area from the vehicle, from the safety of your vehicle. And then you drive back, looks clear. Then you put somebody downrange. So, um, um, we're, I mean, that's kind of ingrained in you, you know, you, it's safer to be in a up armored vehicle than walking, walking yeah. down there. Right. Until. Yeah. You're in a choke point for vehicles, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So, which it didn't dawn on us at the time because you're so ingrained in it. So we we uh, found got called in for an ID. It's one of those where there's you know walls on both sides. It's just wide enough for our truck. Oh god! Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Put a charge down there to just try to blow dirt away, see if it pops something up. Nothing popped up. So we're like, all right, armored recon. Let's go drive down there, see if we can find it. So we drive down there. Nothing turn back around, drive back, nothing. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to walk down there with my mind detector and look for it. So I'm sweeping down there. And then uh, as I'm sweeping, I get a high metal hit, you know, just that. Woo, woo. Uh -huh. And right underneath where I was getting the high metal hit was our tire tracks. And so I dig a little and there's a pressure plate. And I follow the wire and that, that charge we set up just so happened to separate the battery. Oh. So, <laughs> so we're like, well, that was kind of dumb to drive a truck down, <laughs> down yeah. a choke point for a vehicle, you know, vehicle choke point. Oh, man. So, um, so we learned, you know, so we got back and we're like, all right, you know, if we drive down, if we enter terrain like that again, the only way we're really going to find another ID is by running it over. And yeah. that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. So, so we kind of came to the conclusion, like, all right, if it's like a vehicle choke point or channeling point or whatever we're much more likely to find the id using our getting boots on the ground and right. sweeping with a mine detector 
than we are driving through it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward like a week or maybe it's two weeks. Um, we get called for an IED. It was on this dirt path. That was the only place you could cross the river. A vehicle mm-hmm. could cross the river. Oh God! Yeah, so it, it kind of went down an embankment, turned, crossed the river, and came back up the embankment, just wide enough for our vehicles to drive over. Mm-mm. So we take care of that one IED, and then uh, robot it looks around for any more, and he's like, "Oh, I can't see any more." So I was like, "All right, I'm going to get out." You know, we learned our lesson, right? All right, I'm going to get out. We ended up finding three more IEDs, all within like 20 feet of each other, um, manually. So it was like, there's no way we would have drove down there and not got hit. Right. So, so I mean, yeah, that's yeah. kind of kind of the tactical way they do things, you know. So they I use feel, that I kind feel like of channel. In Spare One Guard, that's definitely, it was definitely more of a tactical thing. You know? Right, yeah. Because they use them at those choke points. They use them mm-hmm. in the paths. They use them at high traffic areas. And, and you know, they use them tactically, absolutely. Because even, right. so even sometimes they would be inept or they would low order. So, you know, they weren't like... Yep maybe the most precisely built, but they did their job. So right. w- when did you guys find out you were coming to us? Um, let's see. I think, so in August I went on R&R and then I think. Cause you had a one year deployment. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think as, as soon, right when I got back to Kandahar, I think, or maybe a Zank or Zobel, my platoon leadership was in Zobel. Yeah. So we kind of re reconsolidated at, at Zobel for R and R, and I think it was then. So it was like early August. They're like, "Oh, you're going to go to this place, you know, Panjway. Um, you're going to replace another team there." Um, they, I think they just said one of the teams were getting burnt out or something. They needed changed out. Hmm. So I was like, "All right," and then and then uh, I started hearing what was going on. I was like, "Oh, great." <laughs> and then I went home, hung out with the family for two weeks, did all this. And then, yeah, I get back and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to go down there. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff were you hearing? Just like about how they were using the IEDs? And- yeah, they're just high IEDs. Or I heard that the IEDs never really concerned me. It's just like, there's like, there's ton, they're always getting to firefights and, you know, all this and that. I was like, awesome. The complete opposite yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> like I would have taken firefights any day over yeah. stomping all around day, every day. Yeah. yeah. But well, I mean, yeah. but you made a good point. Like you've uncovered hundreds, hundreds. of pressure plates. Yeah. Like if, if that is all you have to worry about is finding bombs, you're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, so, this was a problem we ran into early in deployment. You know, the front guy has his head down in a mine right. hound. Right. His head's not up. He can't participate in a firefight if it kicks off immediately. His hand's not even on his weapon. Right. Yeah. So Just get down. Can... <laughs> stop. Drop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't roll, though. Don't roll. Don't roll. <laughs> Just stop and drop. Yeah. Yeah. Slowly to a knee. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so it was a little different. Like, I mean, we had been in one firefight prior to that up in, you know, where we were before. Mm-hmm. Really? So just some dude shot us with PKM while we were in a dried out riverbed with no cover. So, mm. but it was kind of cool because the Romanians were, you know, we were supporting Romanians. So they were, provi- um, we we're tracing out command wire. So we we're on our way back, picking up the command wire. So we we're on our way back to the highway where the vehicles were. And so it was kind of cool because the Romanians had dishkas. And so <laughs> they were all, uh, <laughs> providing cover fire as we were, uh, moving making movement back to the vehicle so 
much That's rather have a dish cook covering me than yeah shooting the receiving end yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty cool having three discos just cover fire over your head yeah it's awesome yeah that's pretty cool yeah that it's definitely uh definitely was not an experience for us we we were fortunate that we never had we never had run-ins with discos in terms of rumored having them rumored there's always rumors about there's always rumors that they're moving around but but we never I mean, honestly, they yeah. never had the line of sight these weapon like that. Unless maybe they were trying to hit vehicles on Brown from like yeah. way back. Or not yeah. Brown, but on Hyena. Yeah. Like from where we did throw mm-hmm. chop. They, 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 that might have been useful. They probably could have mm-hmm. done some some damage with one there. It's <laughs> literally right underneath the Masm Guard blimp. Like there's no way they could have yeah. put yeah. down the way with it. Um, so you so, got to Spurwangar. Uh, yeah, obviously you did your did your rep with uh, the other team and then – right. You know what? What were your impressions? What was going on, and uh, how did you so, kind of start to integrate with the company? Yeah. So my big thing was like, uh, um, so kind of the heads up I got was like, oh, they just like to like use us and abuse us. They want us to go out all the time and blah blah blah. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I you know we kind of hear that a lot. So because um, <clears throat> you know I mean like it's not uncommon just like spur and guard for for patrols to go out every day. Yeah, somebody's going out every day. Yeah, somebody's going out every day, and then you've got one EOD, one EOD team supporting an infantry company, Mm -hmm. right? So a team of three people. Yeah. (laughs) So you got you got the three guys um, rotate or trying to support the company while the platoons are rotating. um, Who's patrolling? Who's rest? And who's on QRF? I think is how you guys did it for the most part, right? Uh, it was patrol, uh, mounted patrol, and oh. QRF. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> your, your mounted day, like, that's like when you did, like, the mail runs, or maybe you dropped oh. off another platoon for a mission. That was kind of considered your off day. day. Yeah. So, so I mean, um, obviously, the threat there was um, dismounted patrols, mm-hmm. and, and three guys can only dismount patrol so many days a week <laughs> right so so for me it's like seven days a week you know i'm not <laughs> but uh <clears throat> so um yeah i mean the team before us just kind of felt like they're you know they're they weren't giving a proper work rest cycle or something so so um i think when i got there i i kind of got this weird impression that i was like Oh look, another UD team. You know, who are these newbies? And <laughs> little so, do we know, you'd been blowing up yeah. bombs in Zabul for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I kind of just sat back. I don't know if you remember. I, I kind of sat back for a week or two, and then I I made a little coordinated a little time with uh, Captain Kitching and the first sergeant to kind of just give them a little capability brief, just so their expectations and you know are understood so um so basically i just bottom line is i just kind of tell them like you know the the same thing you you expect out of your platoons is what i would expect you you would have of us so you know you wouldn't expect one platoon to dismount six straight days yeah right Right. or me or would he i don't know (laughs) (laughs) depends on what's going on i guess yeah Yeah. there were there were moments when it happened yeah so i was like you know we're only one team um, so we just got to be selective on which one sure. we go out on, you know, because we, we also have response. So if mm-hmm. some somebody gets called on, um, 
with rot hyena you know we we covered kind of that area um where hyena and brown intersected <clears throat> you know we so we still have to respond to that so um but yeah that, so was, I, that I, was what most of our experience was in the beginning of the deployment was we weren't we didn't take eod out very often it was uh-huh. very rare so if we yeah. found something this was when we hadn't adapted our tactics really yet if we found something we called Right. And it did take four hours because it takes you three hours to walk to us. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're so halfway pro- deep in the horn, but we eventually learned that that was not the, the best yeah. use of you guys. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's kind of one problem when EOD maintains like a response type posture right. in that environment, because one, it takes a while to get to wherever you're at because you have to dismount there. And two, it takes your QRF will have to escort them out. So right. now you're putting right. double the people at risk of, you know, being out there so when i got I, I thought we were doing it before but i was like it's so much easier just embed with the patrol on the missions that they're likely to find ieds on mm-hmm. so i mean made yeah. sense absolutely <laughs> so and then it just turned out that all those missions where the most likely ieds were was also where the most contact was as well <laughs> yeah. yes that was directly related <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um so our it's funny because us pogues, you know, we don't get CIBs, you know, we get these sweet little cabs, right? So, yeah. so we act, our our cab was actually pretty uh kind of a bullshit cab. <laughs> Did you get that so, for your that firefight in Zobble? No, no. What? Um, yeah, we got it huh? before that. So, uh, I don't oh, know. funny story. You want a funny story? Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> so we get. Up in you know Shaw Joy, we get a call for an you know call for an IED, and my two team members were specialists at the time, and mm-hmm. um, they were both promotable, but the points were kind of high. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, so a cab is worth like five was worth like five or ten points promotion points. Or something. I don't remember exactly, but mm-hmm. they're worth promotion points, <clears throat> and they had maxed out you know everything they could, and they're working on online education and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so at, on our way out to the call, we were just kind of BSing the trucks. Like, man, it'd be kind of cool to get a cab on this one. You know, nothing crazy though. I don't want to die or anything, but like, you know, like we, we just kind of like roll over this small little anti-personnel mine that like pops a tire or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like something that was completely safe, but you know, legit, like we, we could get a cab for it. So, and so we were just kind of joking about it. Nah, don't say that, you know, and, uh, but it would be kind of cool to just get, you know, an easy one, you know, so nobody's really at risk, but we get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> so we get the call. So then we, you know, we get on scene and then we, you know, <clears throat> usually when we get on scene, we kind of buckle down and we get real focused on, on the mission. And so robots out, we disrupt the IED, collect up all the evidence, dispose of the main charge. Team member runs the robot around looking for secondaries, finds another IED. We disrupt that one, collect everything, get rid of the main charge. Then he's looking around, looking around. I, I can't remember if we found one more or if it was just two. Anyway, so then at, at some point at two or three, he's like, okay, we got it all. I don't see anything. Cool. Let's go do our armored recon and just verify. So before we say anything's clear, we always go down first. Like EOD will always be the first to, you know, if, if we say highway one is clear, we're going to be the first to drive down it, to walk through it. You know, we're not going to say it's clear and then, and then 
hope that nothing happens as a patrol goes through. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We're going to be the first to go through it. So, so that's one of the things we do. So we, all right, it's all clear. Nothing else. All right, let's go drive through the area, make sure it's clear. And we, I hear this. Poof. I was like, what was that? And I look in my rear view mirror and I see all this dirt and dust. And then all of a sudden our <laughs> radio just lights up with Romanians in their thick. It sounds like Russian accents, you know? Yeah. You know, asking if we're okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? And we're like, yeah, we're fine. What was that? Like, you know, did somebody shoot at us or something? I mean, it literally sounded like just a little pop. Yeah. And uh, they were like, an IED went off on your back wheel, your back wheel. You got an IED strike on your back wheel. It's like, all right, we're coming down. You know, we were kind of a little bit off the highway. So we, and on a little incline. So like, all right, we're coming back down to the highway. So we come back down, get back on the road. They set up a little close perimeter around our truck. Literally, there's like a one inch hole in our back far back left tires which we have six run flat tires right on those mm -hmm. on our truck yeah. so there's yeah. a little hole that it punctured on our on one of our six run flats and all it did was kick up some dust and we barely heard a poof. <laughs> 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 and we're like i guess Take we got our cab, cab guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like what we talked about <laughs> uh, so but the joke was on you guys because you got the earn them tenfold as car. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Though I'm, I'm yeah. going to call out. Um, it wasn't you guys. This was before you guys got there. Uh -huh. So I won't call them out by name. But I recall my second IED strike. The road was cleared by the robot and by the EOD techs. And they did not do their armored recon in front of us. They said it was good. And we drove five feet forward. <laughs> got blown up. <laughs> mm. That's not good. Uh, well, I won't name any names. It wasn't you guys, though. But we were a little yeah. bit bitter. Oh, I would we, be, too. But because yeah. we knew there was one on the road. It had been called in. Right. So we mm -hmm. brought everybody out and cleared the road. I was yeah. in the lead truck with Clark, uh, Sergeant Holt, and uh, Specialist Duke. And Holt and Clark and I had all hit IEDs before. So like we were good. So EOD does their thing, look for the robot. They drive it up and down the road. They don't find anything. We're like, okay, you're good, dude. You're clear. So we didn't find anything. We knew it's there. So Holt just turns around and looks at uh, Specialist Duke. He's like, who, uh, or he just looks in the back of the truck. He's like, who hasn't hit an IED yet? And Duke raised his hand. He's like, all right, this one's for you. <laughs> Cranks up Eminem. We drive five feet forward. <laughs> Boom. Blew the wow. front end of the freaking Matt V off. It's like. Wow. The, okay. the best part yeah. is that big boom. I was off to the west. And I looked at my, my window. I was driving. Looked at my window. Saw the truck enraptured in, in, uh, in dust. It looked okay. Yeah. It wasn't a big one, you know. Yeah. And then <laughs> Hulk keys up. Found it. <laughs> wow. I bet, though, I bet though that I'm sure that team felt awful. I mean, I would, I would totally be like, you got to take me off here. I mean, in there, the, in these their guys defense, completely I think the lost they, trust in me. Yeah, the reason they didn't find it, it was literally, literally right in front of the mine roller. Yeah, it was right in front of the mine. Actually, it wasn't even in front of the mine roller. It was, it was between the mine roller and our tires. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah, like the mine roller didn't set it off. Our tires set it off. So, like they they did clear the road in front of it. It was clear. <laughs> we just yeah. had driven over <laughs> it. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a little bit different. Because I remember one time there was a. Uh, there's that, I think it's that air assault mission we did with those Chinooks uh -huh. that yeah, I huh. did with you guys. And um, they were setting up a, a security point with the 240, I think that it was a 240 they had out there. <clears throat> but it was basically a, 
there's like just between two buildings and then there's the main walkway just outside the village that the gun was going to be looking at but right on the out just out there there was a linear rock formation which we all know that's kind of the telltale sign of of an ied Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, EOD, can you clear this section? Which we typically don't clear things. Um, that's like not our job description. We mm-hmm. we take care of things when they're found. But I mean, if it comes down to like something like that, we're like, hey, there's a good likelihood of something being found here, then typically I'll clear or check on my own because mm-hmm. we're the best trained to detect. <clears throat> so, but... But we're we're gonna be very deliberate and methodical and it's gonna be slow. <laughs> right. So um so like, hey, can you clear this firing point for security so we know that you know if something happens, we can run around up and down this area and, and that it'll be clear. I was like, sure. So it wasn't a very big area, it's maybe 10 feet wide by 15 feet long or so. <clears throat> kind of th- this this all kind of ties into like making sure things are clear before letting right. units go through. Mm-hmm. So I'm sweeping through. And everything there was kind of low magnetic. So usually we're using GPR is our main sound signature to listen for things. Ground penetrating radar. Yeah. Um, So I I was getting this weird, uh, a slight, they call it, we call it warble. A little turkey gobble. Turkey sound. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a little, um, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to go with turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, do that one more time. We'll put that in our, our tab. We'll put it, put it in your novel. <laughs> so, so I found a spot that had a slight turkey sound, not a mm-hmm. real distinct one, enough to where like, mm, let me check it. So I get my mind probe out and I probe that section and there's nothing there. I was just finding dirt and I think there's a rock. So <clears throat> there really was nothing there. And then I remember like, uh, stepping over that section because you, you know in your mind you're like ah, i checked it but it's still kind of sketchy right so i step right. over it and then i just as i stepped over i was like if i'm going to tell these guys that it's clear yet i'm stepping over this spot yeah then how confident am i that it's clear so then i stepped back and then i stepped on top of it it's like oh we're clear <laughs> <laughs> now i'm confident these guys can walk through here without getting their legs blown off oh, so. i can tell you i have used the same tactic yeah. Many, many, <laughs> many, many yeah. times. Usually, yeah. when you're really, 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 really tired, yeah, and you sleep down. over, you hear you're like, Broom, you're like, <sighs> <laughs> it. it'll be you much easier to just fly get on a medevac and right. Go yeah. best case scenario, <laughs> it's not an IED. Worst case scenario, it's probably twenty pounds or it's ten pounds or less. I'm gonna lose it below the knee, and I'm going home early. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we can continue. <laughs> sounds like my con- sounds like a win win to me. <laughs> My conscience is clear. Somebody else stepped on it. They were meant to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's funny though, because when you're back, you know, when you're at that point of your deployment, it's like that's like a win-win. Almost. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. crazy. Unless it happens to be, you know, one of a the rare, gigantic ones that are yeah. buried out there, which we'll get to here in a second. Kind of comparing the difference between what we were running into in Panjway versus what you were running into, right? Yeah. Out out north, but. Uh, well, so that's actually a great transition into that topic. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is their chance, yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. Um, now, as we've mentioned many times, I mean, I'd say probably the average size of the IEDs that we ran into were that were detonated under guys' feet was probably between 5 and 10 pounds. Right, yeah. Um, you know, how did that compare to what, you know, the kind of the size of charges you were running into before you came to Spurman? Yeah, Park? so up in uh, Shawjoy, 
majority of the targets were those ANAs and Ranger trucks. Right. And so a 510 pound charge will probably disable one, but that's probably about it. I might yeah. bust an axle or blow a tire Maybe. off or, but that's about it. And so <clears throat> everything there was at these 20 liter jugs, those yellow, mm -hmm. we call them white pox, yellow plastic. Uh, man, I can't palm remember. Palm oil jugs. Yeah, <laughs> palm oil. Yeah, yeah, palm oil jugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck were those called? Oh, yeah. So they used uh, 20 liter ones, which we estimated if you filled it, you could fit about 50 pounds of explosives in it. Whew. So, um, so most of the charges we ran were 50 pound. They are all 20 liter jugs. So we assume 50 pounds for each jug. Okay. And so, um, and we always ran, there were at least one jug in the ground. So and what would that do just to like a Ford Ranger or something similar? Oh, it'll, it'll almost tear that thing in half. Yeah. So it, yeah, we've done post blast where, you know, the occupants, the occupants were destroyed there. Yeah. 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 There's it's. It's pretty gnarly. And was that so, was it the same, you know, kind of explosives that they were using down in Panja? It was all HME ammonium nitrate stuff, or were they um, actually did they have some off the shelf stuff? So no, it's all HME stuff. So um actually most of the stuff in Panjoe was um was not ammonium based. Oh. Really? So really? yeah. So um because you remember it was kind of that black you remember seeing them in those mason jars? Did you see them? I always remember seeing the white. The white stuff that was drying out on like the tarps and stuff. Okay, so most of the ones down south were um, potassium chlorate. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So and then they'll put in like a oil mixture or something in it, which would give it that black color. Uh huh. So um, and then up north was the ammonium nitrate stuff. Oh. So I had no idea. Want something new? Yeah. <laughs> and so, was that because of the ease of manufacture or was it, it was easier for them to get it up north or? I, I really don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, if whatever supply runs they got going on mm. is. Right. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to tell sure. half of our listeners how to build these things. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're get too far down into the weeds. But I mean, yeah. it's no secret. Everyone knows ammonium nitrate is inherently unstable and explosive. It doesn't require any modification really. You know, right. You can make it more potent. There's ways right, to do right. that, but you know, mm. that in Beirut last year, you know, that was just stockpiles of ammonium nitrate fertilizer took out half of the city. Right. You know, uh, so it's, you know, no secret that it's unstable and you can blow it up. So, and you can buy it. You just yep. buy the yep. stuff. You sure can. I know the so, stuff that um, they were making in Panjway, yeah. they were like making it in their backyards, cooking it in yeah. the sun and doing all kinds of crazy, you know, yeah. I mean, white I think stuff. I think some of them was ammonium nitrate, but there's a lot of potassium chlorate down there. So, so when you uh, when you guys got there, and other than the op tempo and like going out on a lot of patrols, like what was well, the biggest shift for you in terms of your mission? Like the biggest challenge for you guys um, coming from a different kind of fight? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it was trying to figure out how to integrate with uh, with patrols. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then trying to figure out what what to go out on because as a new is a even though we were in afghanistan for a long time that it was mm -hmm. a new area for us and then yeah. each area is you know vastly different in in threats and terrain and all that stuff so right. so we were new guys to the area <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean adjusting we we did do a lot of dismount um before so like our kits and everything we we're all pretty 
pretty uh familiar with dismount um but uh you know just trying to integrate figuring out like hey where where does this where's your patrol going tomorrow what's the threats there you know mm-hmm. trying to learn like um you know which ones we need to go on so and, and that was just basically after about two weeks you know nobody came to us for anything <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so I started going to the PLs after the, the bubs, the evening meetings. And I was like, hey, you guys are going there. What's that threat like? You know, would you like us to go out with you guys? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, no, this one's pretty low key. Nothing ever really happens here. And then, you know, the next day I do the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we typically take contact here. And normally we do see IEDs in these areas. So, yeah, sure. Why don't you come along? So, yeah. So then I started kind of jumping on and then, and then the big thing was, uh, adjusting to work with the actual infantry guys. (laughs) (laughs) I did not realize all the shenanigans you have to go through to go out on a patrol. (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you share the same entry requirements as an army cook. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I'm going to put a little plug here for EOD here. If you want to do infantry things, but not do the dumb infantry things, come EOD. <laughs> <laughs> or so, be a man and go 18x. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but, that, uh, that, but that's I don't know anybody too. that's been unhappy with the decision to go EOD. I've never met. I've never met an unhappy EOD. That's yeah, true. You know, so um, had a good quality of life. Yeah, yeah. We normally do, but um. So when we we're up at Bullard, we supported Romanians. Which the Romanians didn't. I mean, they're a whole different country. So sure, yeah. We we did our thing. They did their thing, and then we'd meet up for missions. You know, <clears throat> um, uh, because we ran response. All our gear was always as soon as we get back, everything's reset. Everything's PMCS again because we could be rolling it out in twenty minutes right. or the next day. You know, we don't know. So weapons wiped down, relubed, all the gears put back. You know, used batteries get pulled off, new batteries put put on. You know, just the whole. The whole thing goes through. I mean, we had a whole system down. Right. And um, and so, you know, whenever the Romanians needed us, we just rolled. You know, we we're, like I said, 15 minutes from receiving the nine line. We we're at the gate ready to roll. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of that time was my team member always having bubble guts and um, having to run in the bathroom before <laughs> <laughs> before we rolled out. Get the nervous poos. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. Like, Hurry up! So, well, you always go because even even like you're like, if I got five minutes, I'm gonna go just in case. Because yeah. the worst thing ever yeah. is realizing you have to go. Yeah, and you're already gone. Exactly. Yeah. I. That's another. Uh, you just made me. You, you keep bringing up all these funny stories because. <laughs> Tell them, man. That's what we're here for. Here. We're, so we're on an IED call on Highway One, and in front of us, so we. Um, we're the, we had a cordon set about 150 meters to either side of the IED. And it was like, we just ate breakfast and then we get the nine line and we, you know, we just roll out. So I always have my coffee mug. I'm drinking coffee in the truck, you know, going in my head, all the possibilities, where we're going, what we've seen, you know, just kind of going through everything. <clears throat> and then we get out to unseen, you know, robot goes down. It starts searching, finds ID, and then next, you know, my stomach just, like, oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> and then it was one of those like, I can't hold this anymore. I'm either going to crap myself or, you know, or I'm going to have to get out. Mm. And so I was like, I ain't crapping myself. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm in EOD tech. I can go clear an area for me to go crap. 
<laughs> so I called the Romanian, you know, Romanians are our inner security. So I called them. I was like, hey, I need um, like three dismounts. And they're like, okay, I'll meet you in the back of your truck. So, so I get out, go to the back of my truck. I was like, dude, I really got a crap. So um, follow me here. Follow the same path I take. And then just give me overhead cover while I take a shit real quick. And like, <laughs> All right, you got it. <laughs> so there I am on the side of Highway 1 taking my tactical shit. And it was pretty awesome. Nice. That's so, the fabled yeah. combat dump. The combat yep. dump. Yep. Yep. Nothing like clearing your area before actually going in and, you know. <laughs> well, it brings <laughs> such a confidence to yourself. It's like, you know what? At this point, I am 100% good to go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> every every being of me is ready to fight right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the combat dump had this this magical ability to just bring on the firefights. It's like if you want to guarantee to take contact. Somebody yeah. needs to take a tomb. Unbutton your pants. Somebody will yeah. start shooting at you. As soon yeah. as as soon as the pants go down, right? Pants yeah. come down, bullets start flying. Yeah, yeah. it's like tell yeah. a man's head a ear out. Like, no, right. that that didn't or, or an eye out. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty uneventful. <laughs> it was pretty uneventful. Then yeah. just pulled got back in the truck and uh, continued on and, and we rolled out. So But so it was pretty is, funny. That is pretty <laughs> good. That was pretty. It was pretty universal. People were taking. If people were taking a bathroom break in uh, Panjway, it was coming. Most of the coming. Yeah. Yeah. time. Yeah. But wild. no, you make you make a good point. I mean, you guys were always ready to roll. There was there was yeah. we were never waiting. If we were going on patrol with you, we were never waiting on you. We were waiting on the infantry. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So that I mean that was one of the big going back to what we were talking about the adjustments was. Mm-hmm. So the Romanians didn't care. All they cared about was yeah. like. Were, were we ready to go when when we said we'd be ready? And we yeah. always were. So it's no right. big deal. And the other people we supported was there's an ODA in the area. Mm-hmm. And so we've done a few missions with them. And they were the same way. They're like, you know, we do a pre-mission brief. And they, they'll be like, this is our mission. This is what we're doing. EOD, this is what we want from you. And I'll be like, all right, here's the threats in the area. Here's what we can do. Here's what we cannot do. And, you know, and then they... Here's our link up time. Here's our SP time. I was like, cool. And that was it. And then we showed up at 07, did comms check with them. Comms good. And we rolled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then I get over to <laughs> infantry land. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, hey, you want us to go? I was like, yeah. Um, so I remember, going, I can't remember which PL it was, but I remember our first one. I was like, first time, you know, the PL was like, yeah, you know, we'd like you guys to come out. So I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, yeah, so at uh, 1900 or whatever time it was, we're doing, um, I guess, rock drills? Is that yeah. What? Yeah, we're going to do the rock drills. I was like, what the hell's a rock drill? I don't know what a rock drill is. <laughs> so like, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. And then so I show up, and then and it just, basically it just goes over everything that they just went over in the brief, but over like uh, over Lego. Over a sand table. Over a yeah, sand table. Lego land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it, I was like, oh, okay, I already got this in my notebook. I already knew this, but okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's like, all right, um, you know, we need to meet at 05 tomorrow morning. I was like, damn, that's early. And you're leaving at 7? <laughs> like, what? I was like, what? That means I got to get up at like 4 to make my coffee, to warm up some breakfast. <laughs> I was like, cool. that's ridiculous. So then I was like, you know, I mean, it's our first time, right? So I was like, all right. right. So we show up at, at 5 and we're all ready to go, you know, because like in our shop, in our little EOD shop, we had – all our kit hung up. Everything was ready to, you know, we just, it's like a, literally like a fire station. Right. We, mm-hmm. we threw our stuff on, you know, one person did this, one person did this, the third person did this, and then we were ready to go. So that's basically what we did. We just threw our stuff on, walked out, and at like 
four fifty-five, we're standing there, and then mm-hmm. you guys start rolling in, and then they start checking their underwear and checking their <laughs> <laughs> this and that. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" Because we already do you have that magazine. Yeah, because we are like we we have our checks. We're like before we roll out, we each look at each other. You know, like mm-hmm, I right. look at somebody. All right, turn around. All right, you look good. Somebody looks at me, and the other person looks at the other guy. They're like, all right, we're all good. Let's go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so I'm I mean, honestly, like, man. So that, I mean, that stems from a couple of reasons. Yeah. One, it's just like the infantry <laughs> has some ingrained stupid stupidity, which drove <laughs> me fucking nuts. Yeah. Like that, that that kind of stuff about the job, I absolutely loathed. But yeah. another thing is, like, you guys were such a small unit. Yeah, exactly. Three of us. If you yeah. had a dumbass that came on board, you could chip him out and get somebody that was squared away yeah. in there. Or he wouldn't be a dumbass that. for very long. He'll right. Yeah. Right. Or he exactly. might still be, but he'll be really strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you like you as a staff sergeant can manage the one dumbass and then your other yeah. two guys or whatever or you know, we'd be squared away. Yeah. In our case, yeah. if you got a platoon of twenty and there's four dumbasses, or let's yeah. let's oh, that's being too generous. Let's say there's <laughs> eight dumbasses <laughs> right yeah, then yeah. you know you've got a lot right. of a lot of dumbassery to cover down yeah on. but exactly. the infantry the problem in the infantry is that the nco corps can't figure out when to differentiate between the dumbasses and the guys that are squared away so they treat everybody like a fucking dumbass, dumbass. so you're subjected <laughs> to that stupid shit all the time even like i fucking know i've got well, all my stuff like i I'm have ready my special to go. underwear on Jeez. yeah right. <laughs> i got my underwear on i don't need you to look reaching down my pants to make sure <laughs> well, that's funny in some of their defense, I have seen I've seen people walk back from their mission with all their stuff. And they didn't use any of it, and they set it down, and they don't touch it. And then it comes time for inspection, and something's missing. Like it, <laughs> it is the most mind-boggling thing that yeah. infantry privates can lose things that they don't use. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. No, oh, I, I I get why you do it, but it's like um, yeah, but it's, it's just it's like a, it's just one of those things that we had to adjust to because it was like. Now, so then after, I think the, after one or two, after two or three missions, then I was like, mm, yeah, we'll see you at 630 if you're leaving at seven. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, <clears throat> which I think after a few missions with them, they, um, you guys kind of got a little bit of more comfortable with how we worked and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. I know one thing that always set us back was, you know, yeah, we'd have like our kit, but like we would always switch. Well, who's carrying the hides or who's carrying the mine detector, who's carrying extra batteries, who's carrying extra rounds. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the stuff that people forgot. And like when, when we left that stuff behind, um, that they had the potential to be really bad. But you know, like Luke said, like if the guy is supposed to have the hides and he doesn't have the hides, he doesn't have the hides. The guy next to him has what he needs. It's not his fault. Go go send the soldier to go get his freaking hides. Like why, why, (laughs) why does this have to be, you know, Mass punishment. Yeah, but that's. Oh man, I could rant and rave. Yeah. Oh man, as I say, that is another episode. <laughs> that, that's, that that is for Pantry Podcast Live live yeah. stream live that's stream right. every Fridays yeah. at eight p.m. Uh, Eastern time. I won't be there every Friday, but you know, somebody, somebody will be, be there every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah, so that's that took a little little bit of adjusting to getting used to too. Mm-hmm. So. uh when you guys got down there and we started, you started going on the patrols and stuff like that. And uh, we started getting like, you know, contact and firefights. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like EOT was always ready to get in a fight. Like we always liked that about your team, especially. I feel like they were always yeah. ready to roll. Like, you know, if the ship was going down Johnson yeah. or 
He's all somebody was up yeah. just laying down scunning. Yeah. So you know that was cool yeah. to have that. Yeah, you guys are gunslingers. So, um, we like that about you. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, I think our big thing was we we always wanted to be uh, increase combat power to whoever we're, we're with. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're three more guns. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, exactly. we might not know tactics, but we can follow directions. Well, we weren't even using <laughs> you, tactics. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you say shoot this way, we can definitely shoot yeah. that way. Yeah. That was the easy thing about Panjway. Yeah. The only thing we could do was shoot that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, um, yeah. And then, oh, I can't remember which platoon it was again. Um, Probably third. If it was fucked <laughs> up, it was third. <laughs> no, it, it was funny because. Uh, because we're we're in the middle of a firefight, right? So everybody's up shooting, um, we're shooting, and then the PL's like, "Hey, we need that um, that gray putt cleared." So in my mind, in EOD world, clear means make sure there's no IEDs there. Clear mm-hmm. that gray putt. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'll go do it." So I go over there, and then, um, but what you guys meant was clear it, as in make sure there's nobody in there with a gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. That's funny. <laughs> that's so, uh, so like, I was like, yeah, I'll go clear it. So, me and my team run back there and we go and clear it, which there was nobody there. And we're like, yeah, it's cleared. And I'm like, you guys cleared? It's like, yeah, look, there's nobody there. <laughs> or there's nothing, you know, we already swept it and everything. It's like, no, they meant to make sure that nobody was in there. I was like, oh shit, we probably totally could have gotten shot because we <laughs> well, there's no one totally. in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's well, good. I think it wasn't anybody in there then. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it was pretty fun. I was like, you yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a that's a good observation. You know, yeah. a mm-hmm. lot of words and like phrases have so many Don't. different meanings. Yeah, yeah, they get, you know, get lost in translation. Even what, what does it mean them. to clear a building? What does it mean to secure a building? Like, what does it mean to you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. You always we do all these things, and I actually remember one time uh, we were leaving the wire. This is when Matt Kohler was pretty new, and he said, "All right, we are uh, RP Cops Berwangar." Because that's what we said. We were SP when we left, and we were RP when we came back. Right. And the company commander's like, hey, LT, what does RP mean? And the lieutenant's like, uh, he's like, just come find me in the talk. We'll talk about it. Because <laughs> 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 we just we use this jargon all the time. Yeah. We just get used to saying it. But we like yeah. we don't actually know what it means. Yeah. RP, yeah. Is, <laughs> RP is release point. Oh. Right. <laughs> that's funny. Which I think we're supposed to set up after... You're okay. supposed to set that up before. Or an SP. Yeah. So SP is start point. RP is release point. But release point is like before you a- before, enter. Yeah. Yeah. So right. RP is technically before you come into the into the security area or uh, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. What it means, what the point was, he didn't know what it meant either. Yeah. And neither he just knew it was being used all the time. Kitchen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I didn't know for the longest time what Charlie Mike meant. I was like, yeah, Charlie Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one always that one always bugged me because I thought it was, yeah. it was too corny. It was too yeah, Charlie too Mike. Fuck yeah. continue mission. Yeah, yeah. is yeah. is almost like the H yeah. word. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, no yeah. H word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh so. man, the um, integration yeah. into the infantry, the intrification. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you were. You guys went out on us a lot, went out with us on a lot of patrols, mm-hmm. and like you said, obviously those high high risk areas: Adam's Eye, Slomcon, Sketcha. Um, yeah. And you know, you got there. You said what it was like late September? I was late August, early September. Right. Right. Yep. <clears throat> I think it was so, like I mean, first week in September. I got there. Yeah. So I mean, you you jumped straight into the fire at that point. We were yeah. probably at, at our height of casualties for the 
for the yeah. point we'd hit several IEDs just before you got there. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody seemed pretty salty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was it was nice having you guys out there with us because it took a little bit of stress off, especially the clearing guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we we knew you weren't going to clear for us, but like we knew that if right. we came to something that was really sketchy, we could be like, right. help. And yeah. you know, and, and it was there, and the expertise was, there was like, hey man, no, you're good. Like you know, fix your GPR or here's your setting. No, no look, right. you're good now. <clears throat> um, yeah, there. I know. I remember multiple times we'd cross like there'd be a footpath to cross, like a nice clear footpath. Right. You look down to the left, and like, hmm, linear rock formation. Which side of the, you know, which side of the rock formation is the IED on? Right. So then they, they'd call us up, like, yeah, I'll clear across this. Right. So um, normally I would just use a, a mine probe. I, I think it's much more reliable. So you just get on your hands and knees and probe like Fuck a two that. foot wide section. <laughs> Fuck. And go across. That. That's it. That's, the, that's what. That's what. When you say yeah. something like you heard, you heard about firefights, and that you were like, "Oh man, I don't know about that." When you talk about probing IEDs, I'm just like, yeah. "What the fuck?" <laughs> so when we I first think- got to Sparrowgar, that's what they trained the lead guys to do. They trained us to do that, like yeah. PFC Grace. Like here wow. you go. Here's here's your non-metallic probe. And there's a picture of me doing it. I'm like. Wow. That's, no, yeah. who taught Fuck. you? Like civilian contract, unnamed, maybe. Unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't throw people under the bus on the Panjway podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, not necessarily like who, like personally, but um, it was, was an active EOD duty guys, EOD. Team. Oh, it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Not, so I'm not sure. not your team, obviously. No, yeah, and not. An so Army I'm sure you guys team. got got some decent. We um, got good training, but it was yeah, a little bit far and beyond what. As the, we, as the clearing guy, you needed to be worried mm-hmm. about. As a clearing guy, you don't need to be on your hands and knees poking for IEDs. No. You need to be like, hey, I've got the mine detector. Here's a metal hit. Here's a GPR yep. hit. We avoid it. We move on. Or we right. identify that and we call EOD to exploit. To come up. Yep. We yep. aren't exploiting. Yep. Like, there's or no reason there's a, 11 Bravo yeah. should be exploiting an IED. No. <laughs> yeah. Or if there's a known high, high threat area that you're going to move through, then right. <clears throat> I would definitely come out and clear through through that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which we've done. Before, yeah, I mean, so. I feel like after you guys were there for a few weeks, we got into a pretty good, at least the fire platoon, I feel like we got into a pretty good rhythm with you. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. move, you know, push, clear. If we get to that, that little shitty spot where we get a yep. big hit, call up EOD, or clear it, blow it, whatever. Yep. And, of course, then we picked up the, the practice of making line charges. Oh, no. Which I know <laughs> gave you anxiety. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my pet peeve. Why were you Why were you so upset with us having our uh, our own C four and uh, debt cord and <laughs> freedom to use well, it? <laughs> well, I was happy you guys had fun with it. <laughs> we did. We did have everybody fun with should, arts and crafts. Yeah, everybody should have fun um, making uh, obscene things with C four because that is fun. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but from from the practical, like um, from my point of view or from our point of view, it. It introduces too much unknowns sure. to to what's going on. So sure, you might clear something, but you also might make something that might that's there like hypersensitive. Sure, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Where you know, so um, it, it you just because you're just blindly you're blindly putting a charge out there to clear it. Um, you, you're not having much control of what effect you're going to have on it yeah. so same with apobs i never really care for apobs miklix is different because you're what's the vehicle you're putting, mounted one right yeah Miklix, you're putting yeah. you know was it 2000 or 2500 pounds of explosives out there 
you know, that, that's a little bit different. You know, you're, you're like putting craters out there. So, yeah. Um, but like the APOVs, I wasn't a real big fan of cause you, you throw yeah. that out there and now you got like metal all over the place. So now you yeah. just made my mind detector useless. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and the same with the line charges. I mean, I know you guys liked it, but <laughs> I'll let you guys do your thing. I, did I, did I ever voice my opinion? I don't, I don't yes. even remember. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think for us it was almost like a, it was like it's like a safety blanket. It's like a false sense of security. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're like, yeah, we just blew it up. It's okay, you know. And then you go stepping over the wall. You're still taking your time and clearing, making yeah. sure you're not you're just kicking around and you know, in right. the dirt. But and I would say also, the number of times we used it to just like arbitrarily clear a path was very uh, little. Yeah. We 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 cheated, and I'm sorry. We bypassed UD a lot because we'd, we'd find something sketchy. We'd be like, put a line charge on that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, really, we were just bipping things with line yeah. charges. Yeah. And, and you had reason to be concerned yeah. because a select few of our line charge constructors mm-hmm. like to put like half pound blocks of C4 every three, like six inches on the line charge. <laughs> so like they'd set up a line charge, like 12 pounds of C4. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like, my, I think my. I think my biggest problem is so if you think about how they laid it out typically they would have like your pressure plate on the path right because that's where they want you Mm -hmm. to step on but then they always move the battery somewhere else yes right so if you lay the line charge out what are you most likely to do cut off the wires to the pressure plate right and so now you got these exposed wires sticking out of the ground or whatever that if they touch now they're gonna go they're gonna go Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just took out the safety of the pressure plate and just have these wires now just sitting out there going, "Hey, let's mm-hmm. let the wind blow come and blow and go." And then uh, okay. and then it blows. So that's where I'm talking about like, you know, you just don't know exactly what you're sure. doing with it and you could potentially make your situation worse. Right. So Or you could set off a secondary like a massive secondary that you didn't yeah. know was there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like trying to blow up a 5-pound IED, but you know it's a 50-pound IED and right. it causes a yeah. big problem. Makes sense. Yeah, or what if it's daisy chained, and then mm. you know a whole bunch of them, which we didn't see that there, but it has been known to happen once or twice. We saw it, yeah, before you yeah, got so. there. But yeah. it was, I feel like I feel like they tried things a lot in Panjway mm-hmm. or or anywhere really. And if it didn't, if it didn't like get them something on the first or second try, they just abandoned it. They just kind of abandoned <laughs> it, like yeah, IDs yeah. and trees and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, IDs and trees. They tried yeah. an EFP once, and it was like pink. Yeah. So they didn't try the FPs again. <laughs> yeah. Daisy chains, we found yeah. them twice. We never saw them again. Oh, um, interesting. The only thing we saw that was actually effective, I believe, in a couple instances, was like offset. So, like, right. you know, they'd step on the the they step on the, the plate, and the charge would be behind or in front of the person. That's oh, right. Um, mm-hmm. Command wire. We. Did we ever really little, see if that? Any, if any. IED was a command wire. Yeah, I know we we in some caches we recovered wire. Yeah, but we I know we didn't see any command wire while we were there working with you guys. And that was something you saw a lot. Right, right. In the the previous AO, right? Yeah. In the in in uh, Shaw Joy, there's it was either command wire or RC. So there's a lot of both. Well, there's a lot of pressure plates too. So yeah, (laughs) I mean, but in Panjway, it was pretty much. 90 percent pressure plates, plates pressure and right 10 percent right. everything else a mix of yeah. everything else yeah even the rc stuff was like it was so minimal that we stopped carrying yeah. the thor yeah. control and i know? think i think i remember talking to captain kitching about it because a couple of caches we started re- recovering a lot of uh transmitters 
mm-hmm. for the RC stuff. So like they're out here, you know, you might want to start carrying your easy, you know, your, your stuff around. So, mm. and, and without being uh, again, you know, violating OPSEC or yeah. capabilities, oh, yeah. it's pretty well known that Americans carry devices that can jam. Yeah. You know, RC, but yeah. And we didn't have those <laughs> devices that overheat when it's 112 degrees yeah. outside <laughs> and don't work anyways. In, in so. our case, they didn't work. Yeah. Well, you didn't know that Joe behind you is supposed to be fanning it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there was a piece of cardboard, yeah. <laughs> little uh, a canned air spraying out. Blow on it, snuffy blow. <laughs> you can add that to your novel too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely, time. definitely. No, I mean, I, I going back to what it meant to us to have you there it was. I think it made us allowed us to focus on other things and took a little bit of the stress off that front guy right. to have to have you guys on the patrol yeah. with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt like I felt like that. Um, it seemed like there there was almost like a um, a relief when we. I mean, not to toot our horns or anything, but it almost felt like you guys were glad that we were there. Like, ah, okay, yeah. dude, you guys are coming with us on this one. Cool, big time. So, yeah. Because we knew if we found something, <clears throat> a we weren't going to have to wait for you to come because you're already there, right? So, and B, we weren't going to have to deal with it ourselves. It's like if we found an IED, if we knew we mm-hmm. found an IED, previously we'd be like, hey, well, we're going to either blow with a line charge, we're going to mark it and wait mm-hmm. for EOD, or we're going to mark it and bypass and call it in later. Right. And it, it created a, a problem. Know, a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it may not be a problem that we personally had to solve ourselves. Right. But when you guys were there, it was like, oh, hey, EOD, IED. Right. Okay, cool. All right. One minute out. Boom. All right. Charlie Mike. Yeah, and by that point, <laughs> I mean we were doing this now for nine months, so we were pretty efficient at yeah. mm-hmm. taking care of them. So And you were saying the, the IEDs and Pandora are so much simpler than what you had been working right. with before, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean it I mean it seemed like over there is a lot more of uh combining the IEDs with small arms fire. Yeah. It would seem much more the tactic there. Yeah, for sure. Which they used to varying degrees and sometimes right. they'd try to push us into IEDs with small, small arms or sometimes mm-hmm. small arms would draw us out and right. into yeah. an IED belt or whatever. But uh, fortunately, I feel like for the most part, that didn't really work with us. Um, mm-hmm. They would hit us. I mean, we, you know, as you well know, we got hit a lot, but, right. you know, or maybe, maybe ignorance was bliss for me on that one because I never really, I never noticed uh, it was for me. The IED was always used in combination with the threat right. and fire. So, yeah. like they pin you down, you can't go anywhere because of the IEDs. Right. You shoot back and forth a little bit. Birds get on station, and then but and then they all know, die. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we sit back and smoke and joke while they're yeah. getting smoked by twenty five or thirty mic mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, it was, but there were a few times where like we blatantly noticed that they were drawing us in with small right. arms or pushing us to an area in small arms that had IEDs in them. Yeah. Yeah. Remember so the, the field, the field that they had a ring of rocks looked like it was designed to grab a helicopter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where we were up um, in Shaw Joy, it was the ID was like the offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they would, they would lay it out in ways that you would, you know, um, to try and get you. Does that make, you know yeah. what I mean? Versus yeah. like using it as a, hey, let's shoot at them so they move to it or shoot at them so they move toward the this or let's mm-hmm. use it so they can't go anywhere. They know they have to fight right there. And they, yep. So whereas in where we were previously, 
you know, there might be three, four or five IEDs all scattered, you know, trying to get you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but there was no hardly, you know, like I said, we got one, one firefight and even that was, you know, lasted a few minutes, but those discus went off for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that works. (laughs) Probably the Romanians probably got, ah, yeah. You know, yeah, those Romanians were nuts. Got the Romanian (laughs) cabs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, did, I did learn throughout the process of this that the Canadian army gets nothing. They oh. have no badge or ribbon or anything to signify that they've been in like a firefight or an actual mm. combat scenario. Engaged by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Like the Marines have their car. <laughs> the Navy has the car. We have the cab and the CIB. I don't, I don't think yeah. the Air Force. The Air Force probably has something. They have like yeah, I, they, the they have a ribbon for qualifying with their yeah. weapons, so I'm sure yeah. they have one for combat. The Air, Air Force can wear the, the our cabs. Can they? Yeah. Oh, well, then they I, I, I think so. I'm pretty sure they can. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. Then they got something. But the Canadians don't get nothing. Yeah. It's crazy. There's like, sorry, go do your job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roger that. Yeah. Sorry about that, E. Oh, so oh gosh, E. Sorry about sorry about that gunfight, E. <laughs> okay. hey. We love we love our Canadian friends. Yes. Yeah. But you do deserve a little bit of recognition. Yeah. At least at least there's something to put on your chest. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Come on. Well, now, the, that sounds good. The EOD guys. Now you have your own badge too. But right. It's a skill badge, right? It's not a right combat so badge. No. So everybody that graduates EOD school gets the EOD badge, or we okay. call it a crab because it kind of looks like a, a crab. Right. Yes. Right. So um, and then with lightning three, bolts. Yes, lightning bolts and bombs and a yep. wreath. Every, everything in the army has to have a wreath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's three badges: the basic, senior, and master badge. Gotcha. So, it's very similar with yeah. like pilot's wings. You have your basic pilot wings, senior, oh. master pilot. Yeah. So, so yes, we do have our own sweet little badge. Makes just makes you feel special. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that about the the EOD techs and also you know the the military working dog teams we worked with is they obviously they brought a lot to our fight. They helped us do our job, but they were targeted um, at a, at a much higher rate mm-hmm. um, than. Then, I mean, we obviously we were targeted all the time, but they would deliberately right. try to target the dogs and the EOD teams, right? Because they knew what you guys were out there doing. Yes. Um, and you know, we we lost a few EOD techs mm-hmm. in the Panjway area while you were there. Yep. Um, do you want to talk about those guys a little bit? I don't know if you knew them. Or... Yeah. 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 I knew both of them. Is um, Hoyd Bennett and Nick Reed were the two that were there. They were actually supporting, uh, doing a soft support mission. So. Um, they were out doing special things with special people sure. in our ale. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, they both they both got hit. Um, they were known IEDs, and they both got hit dis, um, disrupting them. So, um, yeah. So Which I, means I they, were, they, were, they were working on them or trying to make them safe. Right. Or, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So w- I know with Bennett's one... There was, um, I know there was Intel, I can't remember um, who I heard, I think it was your guys' Intel guy. That, Prices. That, yeah, that said they got Intel from locals that there were like five IEDs in this area. In this one. Right, right outside the gate too, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. it was Adam's eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, 
So they were actually they were actually out there getting rid of them. So he was working on his third one of those five that we we had got report of, mm-hmm. and um, that's what that's what got him. And then um, I want to say a couple days later, we went out there and then we recovered. We got two more of them that were in that same area. So I actually remember that mission. We were yeah. out there, we were out there with you when you guys grabbed those last two. Yeah, one of them was behind that door to the mm-hmm. compound or whatever, and I can't remember where the second one was. But. I thought that one was in a tree line, if I remember correctly. Yeah, kind of like it was, uh, was like kind of like a berm, and there were some trees, and there was like a canal on the other side, or some that pops into my mind for some reason. Yeah. But I don't remember, but I just remember the one in the the behind the door. I was like, oh, this would have been bad to walk through the front door here. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, so thanks to Bennett, we he did get three of them out. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then we were able to find the second two. Man, and that's an area where, I mean, kids played there all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. Adam's Eye was full of kids. There was a lot mm-hmm. of civilians in Adam's Eye. So, and then, um, Reed's one, I think, I'll, I don't really remember everything, that, the circumstances behind it, but I know that it was like really crappy terrain, real rocky. And he was trying to clear an area and stepped on something. And were those those two uh, those two gentlemen? They were part of your your the same EOD company out of JBLM. Um, they were actually out of um, Yakima, the EOD okay. company out of Yakima. Really? So yeah. <clears throat> so interesting. Hmm. So um, yeah, they were out of there. But uh, Bennett, I I met while we were there because he he'd always come by when the um, when the OEA teams would stop on to Spurangar. Right. Mm-hmm. So he'd stop by and hook us up with some cool cool initiators and explosives that only special people get and he's like dude you gotta try this out this is pretty cool so (laughs) (laughs) so he'd hook us up with some stuff and then uh reed we actually were at we weren't in the same eod class but we're um like adjacent classes so we basically went through eod school together the the sacrifice that those guys made means a lot to us because it was it was for us Mm-hmm. You know, yep. every every IED they pulled out of the ground is one like I don't know if you listened to the episode about the engineers. It was the same thing for us. Every one that they pulled out of the ground, they were far right. more qualified to pull out of the ground than we were. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing to an even more extreme level, right? Because obviously right. you guys have a little bit more skill and uh, yeah. more advanced skill set in terms of that realm. But yeah. the same thing applies. I mean, when you guys pulled an IED out, it's like I never would have seen that. I get yeah. how many times like you guys pulled something out. You point, oh, it's right there. Like, nope. I would have walked right on it. So <laughs> yeah, it meant, yeah, it meant gotta, a lot to us. Yeah, when when you when you get down and dirty, you you really because you see it so up close, you kind of start re- recognizing the the little ground signs. And but uh, you bring up an interesting point: the engineers, though, because um, there's always this kind of funny rivalry. I'm going to clear this up on the on the airways or whatever right now online. <laughs> so. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of like, oh, engineers are kind of do the same thing EOD does, and which is not true. They, no. they do have a little bit of what the capability we have are. But um, our big thing, well, one, EOD is the only people that can render safe. Right. So nobody else can actually render safe IEDs or UXOs. But, but our big thing is that because we can render safe, we can now exploit. Right. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up becoming like cops, basically. So we sure we we um we do a whole site exploitation every time we we deal with an IED. 
So it's, you know, getting pictures, recovering evidence, submitting all the evidence. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that you guys probably don't see is all right. those pressure plates. We'll, we'll tuck it in our pouches and our backpacks and we'll bring it back. And then we, we, um, catalog it, expert it, take pictures of it. And then we send it off to the forensics lab and then they, they will do the forensic processing of it. Right. And so they'll pull DNA. So like when you guys go and do those bats and hides, right. Um, that's where the database gets built. And so if we pull an IED out and there's like tape on it and there's a fingerprint and you guys had done bats hides on somebody and then now they can get a match on the fingerprint. Right. And mm -hmm. so now they can, you know, go out, go after the guys that are doing this. Right. So, um, that, that's where kind of our bread and butter really come in is being right. able to actually um, making the device safe and taking the pieces back right. with you. Yep. And yeah. then exploiting it and then, and not only exploiting it for forensics, but also like, Hey, this is what they're doing. This is what they're using. This is right. the tactics mm -hmm. they're doing. Here's how they're employing it. You know, here's what their capabilities are here. You know, cause we're, we're pulling all the devices out and examining it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, when we started out in the deployment and we would mm -hmm. find IEDs, that was really, we tried really hard to do that stuff. We, well, right. we found an IED, let's call UD so that they can mm -hmm. render it safe and they can take it back. We were, like, you know, carrying right. pieces out in our backpacks and stuff, but I'd say probably, you know, around June, it was like, there's too many, you yeah. know. We can't call UD out for every single five-pound right. IED. They'll, yeah. they'll never have anything else to right. do. And, and, and there's the, there's a line we draw with that too because one of our guys, um, Tabor, he was over at I think he was in Zangabad at the time, but on one patrol he they ran twenty six IEDs on one patrol. They just oh kept finding God. them, finding them, and finding right. them. And so, you know, if you're running twenty six in one area and they're all this type of IED, you know, when you're first three or four of this type, then yeah, I don't really need to be you know, processing each one. So then they, you, there's a point where you'll just kind of start blowing them too, just because it's going yeah. to take too long. I mean, and before we had, before we had the line charges and before we had you guys, we just had to bypass them a lot. Yeah. Because you had the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> no, our Air Force guys were good. They sent a different mission. Yeah. Um, I like but I mean, fun of the Air Force. Oh, well, yeah, it's obviously it's a great pastime of ours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we had a mission. Our mission wasn't to clear IEDs. Right. You know, our mission was to go to this village. If we found right. an IED, we, initially we'd be like, oh my God, we found an ID, call EOD. But eventually, like, we're never going to reach this village if we right. have to call EOD from Spare One Gar for every one. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of started bypassing them, report right. and bypass. Yeah. And, yeah and, and part of our job, too, is to to integrate with your mission, right? So yeah. if we can exploit, then we can exploit. If we can't, then right. we need the, the, your mission, you know, has comes to go first. on. Yeah. yeah. So. Or if it's like, ooh, I'm not going to mess with that thing. We're just going to blow it and call it good. Right. So there, there are times when we looked at things like, yeah, we're not going to touch, mess with that. Let's just get or rid of Or you just look at an area like, I know there's an IED there. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's there. It's a four-way <laughs> intersection with rocks in three directions. There's an yeah. IED in that intersection. Yeah. We're just going to go this way. Yeah. How, about we, how about we bound this whole area? <laughs> Let's just miss this. Yeah. And that I think that was our final development in the fight yeah. against the IED is when mm -hmm. we weren't blowing them in place. We weren't exploiting them. We weren't even calling them up anymore. We were right. just like, we're not going to go through the gap on the wall. We're not going to cross the bridge. We're not mm -hmm. going to go through the intersection. We're not going to walk the road. 
we're going to take the most difficult route possible. We're going to push the wall down and we're going to go. And we're not going to find yeah. any IEDs. <laughs> and I don't think we found yeah. a single IED in the last well, well, three the months of deployment. Can't, yeah. They can't predict which wall you're going to push down and where on the wall you're going to push down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so. if you if they did, you know what? Good for them. That was <laughs> it was their day and not mine. Yeah. But so. know, it just kind of it kind of speaks to how you how you like just like the cat and mouse game you were talking about when you right. guys were up in that other area. I mean, we had right. to do the same thing. Carbon mm-hmm. rods, no carbon rods. You know, command wire, RC. And Mitchell yeah. like, screw it. Let's just go where they're not going to be. Flooded fields. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, except when, when you got like 400 pounds in a culvert under Highway 1, you can't really just bypass that. No. <laughs> that one you might have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, me? No, oh, let's so, just drive yeah. around it. Yeah. Let's just go around. <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely times to where you can, I mean, your, your mission will dictate what you got to do, but. Sure. So, I mean, did that ever frustrate you to see us not be not be as willing to exploit IEDs, or was that ever? No, uh, I, I was fine with that. I mean, I, I really like doing IEDs. I mean, that's what I was there for, and I enjoy that. I guess. Oh, I mean, that's um, weird, but okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it, I guess it's like anything else. It's like the challenge, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like playing a sport, you know, it's like. Yeah, it's hard work, but it's kind of fun because it's challenging and tests you. And um, right. so, I mean, I, I've never done infantry things, so I don't know mm, if you guys have that same kind of. <laughs> we're basically EOD, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we can shoot. <laughs> no, we well, It's questionable. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I I was fine with it. Is I mean, in the end, it's your guys' mission, and sure. we're there to support it. Yeah, I so. thought you did a pretty good job. Yeah, thanks. And <laughs> you know, you had the privilege of not only supporting us, but kind of transitioning and supporting the unit that followed us, which was uh, right. Prop Company One Three Eight, also out of JBLM at the time. Yes. yes. Um. So, what what was it like to kind of be like this one three man yeah, continuity so. on a fob when you know Bayonet left and we went home to to Georgia, and then One Three Eight is just like yeah. standing there, like okay, it's ours. Yeah, that it was. Um, I mean, they really um, leaned on us a lot for just kind of like how things work and what villages were like, and and um, I mean, I did my best to give them as much info as I could, but at the same time, we were there for only three months too. <laughs> right. So right. I mean, I was still learning the village names and and stuff, but but I had a good handle on TTPs they were doing, and like, you know, hey, you probably don't want to walk through that, you know where that wall is broken down, we probably want to cross somewhere else. <laughs> right. You know, I knew that point and I, I kind of understood the whole, if you get shot at, you know, don't be running to the nearest, easiest cover. It's, sure. you know, probably going to have an IED there. So. Which is hard. Um, I mean, cause that's, yeah. that's, that's the you basis train, right? of infantry training is, yeah. you know, return fire immediately, seek cover and concealment, attempt to get yep. online. Like <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's the first step that you take. So, you know, it's difficult right. to, to overcome that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they they, uh, it was good that I, I mean I'm glad that we were there because yeah. it would have been really tough for them to kind of just all of a sudden do everything on their own. I mean mm-hmm. I mean they're pretty good, but you know it's just nice to have that that um, some people to bounce ideas like hey we're trying to do this you know right. from your experience what do you think you know so mm-hmm. um, 
<clears throat> and then and then we we went out. I mean, we just continued to patrol with them, just like how we did with you guys. Right. So we're going out quite a bit with them as well. And I mean, when we left in early December, you only had mm-hmm. about what another month in country anyway, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. we we redeployed in January. So we all, right. co- you know, reconsolidated in CAF in January. Right. So um, so we had about three weeks, and then my replacement came in. So then I had to work with them as well. Right. So. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after we left that 138 had a pretty bad day. Yeah. And so you, was, you guys were out there with them for that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was um, December 10th. So Sergeant Williams was killed on uh, IED there. Um, and it was just one of those um, took contact in an L-shaped type ambush, machine gun fire from, I think, of the south and the west. And then um, pushed him. He was part of the clearing. He was the uh, squad leader, and he was overwatching like the clearing guys. So they pushed over to some cover, and then he ended up stepping on the IED, hmm. um, and then it wounded three. I think it was three others got wounded. So and then an A and A got shot in the arm or something. Mm-hmm. So, so there was kind of a mass cow. Um, we had to clear the area. Right about the time we finished clearing the area, then the medic got there. And then so he was able to start treating. And then um, we pushed out to clear a landing zone for the medevac. Yeah. Which actually, it was, um, I guess it was PJs and mm-hmm. a helicopter with a big boom out front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be the, that'd be the pararescue and, guys. And they were shooting out the doors as they were landing. Because so. they were taking fire as they were coming in, right? Yes. Yes, they were. So apparently they're... I didn't see RPGs, but they said there's RPGs firing. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. <clears throat> but who knows? Nasty you know, when, ambush, right. huh? Yeah, you're you're doing your own thing, and um, yeah. So we we helped clear the la- landing zone for the medevac and helped set up security. Um, so I, th- I mean, yeah, you remember think, where that was at in the AO? Uh, it was east. Is northeast of Sprongar. Yeah, it's a nasty town. spot. Yeah, hmm. it wasn't all the way out to Najat. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's... but it was northeast for sure. Um, Some of the designs catch it probably. Yeah, or maybe even Lloyd Clay. So actually, because wasn't Najat pretty north? Jot was pretty e- uh, east, east. East. pretty North really east, far east. Yeah, basically the like the, the it's like directly south of the bazaar. Or maybe Ske- where was Sketcha? Sketcha was north. Okay, because I remember Sketcha was just uh, maybe I don't know a click south of Hyena. Okay, because I remember being um, none of the squad leaders or team leaders from the guys on patrol from the um, infantry guys were set up on that so there were none none of their their leadership or ncls were on that northern side of the hlz and we had just finished clearing and so you know this is all that a lot of these privates first firefight right and so we got security on the north side but we were taking contact from the south and i remember saying you know i couldn't remember if it's sketch or i think it was sketch it must have been salon con was probably to the south oh it was um well north Whatever was north of us. Because oh, I remember gotcha. there's a bad village north of us. 
probably sketch us. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would make sense based on what you're describing. Yeah, probably yeah so I remember saying like, because they want to get into the fights, so they're all turning around and looking south. And I'm like, right. there's a fight going on and everybody in this area knows about it. You need right. to keep watching north. <laughs> right. You know, there's bad guys. There's a lot of bad guys north of us. Mm. So but that, um, that brings a good point. I mean, how many times did that happen where you're either by the nation of the real, the nature of the really long formations uh-huh. or when you have to set in 360 degree security, not everybody's in contact at the same time. Right, right. So it's really hard to like continue to scan your sector and pull your yeah. own security when half of your, your platoon is in their own, doing their own thing. They're in a gunfight. Right. You're not. Right, yeah. So I re- I remember running around, you know, like because I I think I was the only staff like the highest ranking NCO there in that north side of that security, mm-hmm. and you know there there's all you know all specialists in PFC, and this was their first patrol without you guys. This was their first patrol on their own, mm-hmm. and so I remember running around because they all wanted to get into the, you know they all wanted to get in the fight, right? It's like right. Big yeah. firefight. You, know, you just got there and like yeah. you hear all these stories. Yeah. You wanna you wanna do yeah. you wanna do your job. Yeah, so, but I, I remember running around, I was like, you guys got, yeah, we're going to get screwed if you guys turn around, you know, we, yeah. there's a bad village north of us, you need to keep, you know, keep scanning north, they got, they got it handled down there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you guys were out there for a while, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, we were out there for a while. I think, I don't know what took so long, but I remember it was like 50 minutes from the time the detonation occurred to the time helicopters arrived. Really? So, I, I don't know what what it was but it, it was quite a while so i don't know if because it's a hot landing zone if it just took a while for them to find could be assets to get down there or you know, maybe there weren't any you know army assets around that's why they yeah. had to go to the air force for the right. djs because that's what happened with, with clark when clark mm-hmm. stepped on his id there was no army medevac available because they oh, just responded yeah. to a, a mass cal okay yeah that, I mean, so it could be been, something like that yeah. And then I don't think normal medevacs will respond if you're in an active firefight as well. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't so, think they're supposed to yeah. since they're unarmed. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was a pretty rough day. And then, um, um, well, we, it, very funny story again. Well, it's, it's funny then, but, <laughs> but the, uh, somebody sent me a video link, like, maybe a year later that those um, PJs got, um, I guess they were national guard guys and they all got um, BSM with valor and they were awarded by the governor of New York. I think they're from New York. That's why. Mm-hmm. So there, so there's a video out there of them, you know, their award ceremony, the governor pinning them. And I remember talking to them. I was like, yeah, those rat bastards, you know, they flew in and flew out and then, you know, and they missed everything. <laughs> you know, they missed the contact. They missed the ID. And then we had to walk back. And then, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they did a really good job. You know, sure. Not yeah. Take but you know, at the time, you're like, oh, bastard. You know, what the hell? Did they, they flew in and picked up people up and left. <laughs> yeah. Does that does that is that yeah. BSMB worthy right there? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Especially I mean, I'm sure they earned it, and and it was it was pretty intense. So they they came, they came in in a hot landing zone. Taking fire, had to return fire so they can land, yeah. and they had every right to say so, no to that mission too. Yeah, know, put, yeah, put an aircraft into that situation. So yeah, hmm. so it's, I mean, I'd say it's worthy, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna um, deny, it, but you know, at the 
you know, I think it's just kind of that that inter inter service rivalry is like oh, oh 100 percent they came in shooting guns and picked some people up and flew away and yeah they missed like 90 percent of what was going on my favorite was when oh. it was a couple years ago and everybody made fun of them for this it was an ac-130 crew uh-huh. and the, the air force was so proud They're like we're giving out you know 16 air medals for valor and two silver stars and all this stuff to like all these air force guys and it was all the people in the airplane like at <laughs> seven thousand feet they all got yeah. awards for valor and well, i was like ah. i mean i, I i'm okay with recognizing them but like is it valor is it really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from way up maybe there. it's like an achievement medal you know yeah. the air force achievement medal for like a, like doing your job a little bit better medal. than normal yeah there we yeah, go. for being very proficient on that weapon system. Right, <laughs> right. Like the, the the CCT on the ground that was getting shot at. He got, yeah. I think he got like a. Oh, it's not. It's one below the Medal of Honor. It's like Distinguished Service Cross. There. He got a DSC. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. Oh, wow. that was the thing. The pilots on the mission got DFCs. They got Distinguished Flying Crosses. Oh wow! Like, Whip for valor. I was like, oh come <laughs> on, guys. Maybe just a regular DFC. You don't don't know if it needs yeah. to have a V on there. Wow. But the officers got DFCs and all the enlisted got air medals with that. <laughs> wow. That's wild. It's just funny. So. It, but I mean, again, whatever. Who cares? You did, yeah. cares. You did yeah. your job. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's cool. If, if you felt like it deserved to be, that's fine. It's just funny. Yeah. The, like you said, the inner service rivalry. Yeah. You know, no one exactly. in the Air Force is, well, maybe maybe some people in the Air Force are giving those guys a hard time too, but. <laughs> um, it's just the way it is. Which, you know? I mean, let's just be fair. At that point in the war, the army was handing out medals like candy. Anyways, oh god, yeah, I feel yeah. better about showing up. I could, yeah. I could list off thirty bullshit valor awards right now. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah. That's, that's why no, that's why you should never talk about valor awards because they're all, they're all questionable. Same yeah, as yeah. CIBs and cabs. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Russ Ho here gets one for driving yeah. over a yeah. freaking shotgun shell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My cab was for popping the tire. But it kicked up a lot of dust. Right. <laughs> well, at least you got to come down to Pantway and really, really earn. Yeah. It's yeah, true. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. You got to get it in. It wasn't yeah. bullshit. Yeah. yeah we, in the end, I feel like we, we earned one. So yeah, it, was, definitely. it was pretty yeah. wild down there. So, yeah. But well, we, had a, we had a good time. You know, having you guys there meant a lot to us. I got to bring this one up. What was the um, bulldozer and knocking trees and walls down? And yeah. Oh, the day clear. that uh, the day that the probably the only mechanic that I know of that earned a bronze star with Valor, <laughs> like yeah. legit earned a bronze star with Valor because he was out there by himself in a bulldozer for eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And that ran over like four IEDs war. and took a d- direct hit yeah. with an RPG. Yeah, no, almost took a direct hit with an RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had us baffled because we went out there like you, get, you know, the the bulldozer got hit. We needed to do a pulse. So because we weren't out there with you guys, no. So we, we were right off a of route brown. Yeah, we were, we were real close. Yeah. So we went out there and I was like baffled for a while. I was looking around I was like, what IED in the tree? That doesn't make sense. You know, and then I'm looking on the ground. I was like, there's no ground sign. Because I think it got reported as an IED strike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, well, because he had hit like four before that. Because yeah. when he was knocking the walls over, the walls were yeah, falling over on the pressure plates. And yeah. they were knocking. <laughs> not... So I'm, I was just like baffled. And then I think one of my team members was like, is that an RPG fin? I was like, oh, crap. You're right. And then I, and then I looked up. And then, oh, now it to- makes total sense. And there's mm-hmm. like that alley. There's like an alleyway where 
it fired from and you can yep. see where it hit the tree branch and mm -hmm. there's leaves everywhere and yep. then you could see the the um, frag pattern on the window of the bulldozer and it's like oh yeah totally makes sense now yeah so unfortunately that kicked off a chain of events that led to oh, the, right. uh, the passing of uh, staff sergeant swindle yes yes mm -hmm. i remember that that yeah. that rpg did actually take that bulldozer out of commission mm -hmm. and then they had to recover it to replace it right and, and then, he was on the road during that process and so. then an rpg struck the an RPG right? struck the vehicle yeah yeah yeah, yeah unfortunately and then the gunner got hit too right the gunner lost his leg yeah yeah so it penetrated yep. the armor in the side of the vehicle yep mm -hmm. yeah that was that was a tough one so i remember doing a um evaluation on the truck the vehicle when it got back yeah mm -hmm. so i think i think so, the first arm was trying to tell me there was something else I can't remember well, what he was trying to tell me it was. He didn't know what he was talking about, so. Yeah. Well, he, I think he thought it was some anti, well, it was anti-armor RPG, but. Right. But um, I can't remember what he th he was trying to tell me it was. He's probably trying to claim it was a recoilless. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, no, no, definitely yeah. not. And I mean, I went through all the signs with him. I was like, you see this, 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 this is all telltale signs of RPG. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> But well, and then you guys brought the motor too, right? The uh, yeah, it, somebody like had it landed the, in one of the guys' laps or something like that. Yeah, like somebody it, had the rocket motor. Yeah, it was it was in so, the vehicle. Yeah, hmm. so I mean, between the sign, the you know, the explosive pattern that mm -hmm. RPGs leave, and having the motor to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's and pretty the fact awesome. that one had just been shot at the bulldozer like yeah. an hour and a half earlier. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, before we before we uh, kick this off and on a, a somber note, um, kind of a little, little bit sad towards the end there, um, but, you know, yeah. we, we talk about these stories and the men that gave their lives and the men that served mm -hmm. so that they're not forgotten, so it's important yeah. that those stories get told. Mm -hmm. um, so there's nothing, there's nothing uh, bad about telling those stories, but it's, uh, it's uh, I, don't, I don't want to end on that note. Um, I'm no. going to give you a chance to do a little bit of an EOD recruiting pitch here. Oh. Um, because what I always thought was great, is great about EOD, obviously what you guys did for us downrange, uh -huh. awesome. But you guys have a unique stateside mission right. um, that a lot of the military doesn't even know about or even mm -hmm. get to see. So you can tell us a little bit about like the stateside mission at EOD. Yeah, so we're um, – I mean our main job is to mitigate explosive hazards. And so um, with, you know, with the – these GWAT wars and stuff going on, everybody thinks of us as, you know, with IEDs, you know, how they deal with IEDs, they take care of IEDs. Hurt Locker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The most accurate yeah. military movie of all exactly. time. Yeah. yeah, if you rub the ogive on that 50 cal, it'll it'll feed better. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, when in actuality, like, EOD school is really like, you know, of that almost year-long, you know, only one month of it is IEDs. The rest is learning all the other types of ordnance. Right. And so UXOs is really our big thing, um, dealing mm. with UXOs. And so when we're home, you know, if if you guys, you infantry bubbas go out and shoot AT4s or Claymores and you go to fire that Claymore and it just goes click, click, or you throw a grenade. And you forget uh, to take thumb you, safety off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, somebody First has to go deal. <laughs> Call them. Somebody. 
<laughs> Somebody has to go deal with that. So, so we'll deal with all those UXOs on post, um, mm -hmm. whether it's misfired stuff or found UXOs. Uh, military ordinance off post we deal with. So we always have a response team when we're stateside. So there's always yeah. a on duty response team that that's you know going out and deal doing these things. And then we do support law enforcement, the local law enforcement with um, UXO stuff as well as um, suspect packages and right. IDs and that all that kind of stuff. And then we also have the we call it VIP missions where we clear the um, the areas that you know um, president vice president secretary of state you know all these dignitaries when they right. go places it's actually military eod that clears everything motorcade routes convention centers hotels and all that stuff so we're always on tdy traveling to these different places um like this last year with the elections all the candidates had that going on so so we are really tapped out with personnel and going all over the place um, yeah. mm. to to do these clearances um that, that's all in support of secret service so sure secret service guy runs it and then we we support their mission mm. and that's so, all military eod not just army eod right yeah so we'll run into army air force navy marine eod techs yeah um and then we we do run into the military working dogs i think most of them are air force though i don't ever remember running into army military mm. working dogs on those missions yeah um, there's EOD techs at the white house back when Trump was president at the Trump towers, that was a mission. So you just lived at Trump tower for a month oh, at yeah. a time. I volunteer. Yeah. So I've never had that one, but I heard That's it was crazy. a pretty good gig. Um, oh, sh I can't imagine how it'd be bad. Yeah. yeah going, on <laughs> going down to Mar-a-Lago for, you know, whenever the president, um, president Trump went down there, their EOD guys going down Mar-a-Lago. Uh, <laughs> what where's 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 joe biden's like vacation um, let's find out google it <laughs> is it uh delaware oh man is i hope it? not yeah delaware beach sorry yeah. sorry eod you just yeah. downgraded <laughs> from miami to delaware <laughs> beach <laughs> yeah no you can go you can you can dig this and we're, we're good <laughs> Yeah, I'm, so, we're apolitical here at the Pandora Podcast, yeah. but Joe Biden, yeah. your vacation home sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we need more Trump Tower uh, missions. <laughs> so, Make sure there's no bomb yeah. in the golden case yeah. to pillars or something. Exactly. Right, right, yeah. right. But there, so, I mean, not only that, I mean, like, EOD is really a cool way to, like, if you're into, like, want to get into, like, the special stuff, you know, it's a good backdoor way to get, you know, because there, there are EOD guys that support um, the special units and stuff. So yeah. mm -hmm. it's a good backdoor way to get into that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, you saw how we were supporting, you know, we go out and do infantry thing. You know, we patrol, we shoot, we take care of IEDs. But then when we get back, you guys get to do all this crazy dumb stuff and we go back and play video games. And it's um, <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that's yeah, so, true. Um, yeah. Well, it, and it, well, I think what's most striking is in a, in a time where deployments are fading, you know, uh -huh. the war on terror is almost over mm -hmm. September 11th, 2021, supposedly. Um, but, you know, people aren't getting a chance to do their jobs. So if you're an infantryman, right. if you're whatever, all you get to do, all you have to look forward to now is training. So right. if you're looking to join the military, if you're looking for a career move and you want to actually do your job and have kind of a stateside mission, 
know, maybe yeah. EOD is a good option. EOD is not a bad route. Yeah. If, yeah. There, if there's anybody that's still active duty and E5 or below, it's tier 10 bonuses right now. So. And you make extra money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's extra money too. Yeah. Demo pay, SDAP. So. Mm. And then the bonuses. Cool. This portion of the Panjway podcast paid for by Army EOD Recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Reyes, there you go. Um, <laughs> so. Well, the way we always close these things out is, uh, is with with the guests that we we have a relationship with, mm-hmm. and you know I've been good friends with Russ for years, and you know mm-hmm. uh, we've known each other since 2012, obviously. But um, you know, we kind of give you the floor, man. Anything that you'd like to say, anything we didn't get a chance to cover, it's uh, it's your chance to to say whatever you want. Um. Ooh, I didn't even think about this. I know it's supposed to be coming up too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it was a is an honor to work with you guys and for you. The um, Bravo One Three Eight actually put us in for awards from that day on December tenth, and not that the award was a good award, but is the fact that um, I know you Eleven Bravos are pretty tight, and for them to recognize us for the work we did was huge mm-hmm. so to um so i just want to say thank thank you i don't think i really had a chance to really thank them for that even though um that unit doesn't exist or it got moved or something it's in fort carson now okay yeah. but mm-hmm. um yeah, re- yeah okay but they um yeah to be recognized as a non-infantry guy to get be awarded by the infantry unit that was um huge huge um and then I'm just glad that we were able to to um, support you guys, and that um, that you know we we could take care of things and you know all that good stuff. So yeah, for sure. And now we're—I mean, our minds—you were out there slinging lead with us, and yeah, exposed to just as much yeah. risk as we were, and like you know, clearing no... gray putts. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll never I'll putts. never call you a pogue. I promise. <laughs> yeah, there was there was um, no other. Yeah, you guys I, were definitely a part of the you yeah, were ingrained into the, the fabric for us. Yeah. Thank you. So I mean that that's all we wanted to do was get out there and not hold you hold you guys back. We wanted to be an asset and a combat multiplier. I mean that was, yeah. that was our main main goal. So, I'd say you nailed it. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Cool. So well thanks. Russ, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. We know you're still Still on active duty, still still yeah. doing the good work. And yeah, I'm a, a staff weenie now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good time. That's what happens. You, know. you, get, you get promoted up and out of the fun stuff. I know, right? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pandroy Podcast. If you liked what you heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. New episodes every Monday on all major podcast platforms, Facebook, and YouTube. Visit www.thepandroypodcast.com for more information.